All right, we got Kool-Aid in the building, waiting on Bam. I made it. Got to assume that Eve isn't coming, but. I made it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, and we got game one of the finals done with Denver taking it. Kool-Aid's team just just mauling over whoever comes in their their way. I told y'all, man, this team is the most. Team and a superstar. What makes it work? Is, it's an inverted offense. Most teams are not used to playing the um center as the focal point, and it doesn't hurt that Ben is six eight six nine and Joke is every bit seven foot three hundred pounds. Yep, I thought that was one boring basketball game. Yeah, I went in and out the whole time because I like I, I didn't I, I thought that I like I just to to be honest I just didn't have that much interest in this first game I don't know why I don't know if I was just too basketballed out but nah, this is the tone setter like people can say oh well it's the first game well you can look at it like this um, the the Nuggets were awful a week and a half so they were rusty Miami yep. was in a rhythm and got smoked. So one one jokeage thing, which I uh, was look, so I, I was looking up because I'm always interested in you know the rankings of, of where everyone ends up in in all timers. Assuming assuming Denver wins and assuming Jokic wins MVP, Jokic is I think going to be one of ten players ever to have multiple MVPs and also a Finals MVP. Mm-hmm. And that guy's going to be skyrocketing up these up these all time rankings because he's I mean he's doing stuff. I mean, first of all, the multiple MVPs is something only I think like twelve or fourteen or fifteen guys have ever done, and you know, it may coupled, not even be that many. It may not even be that right. Many. And coupled with the fact that he's got, you know, um, he he he's also going to have a second a second place this year in the MVP, and he's still young and can win more titles than he has. But even if he doesn't win another another title. He's already got one t- – he's assuming they win this year. He's going to have one title that's more impressive than KD's two, that's more impressive than the one that, like, KG won. It's – I mean, I don't think it's going to look be looked at as awesome as Dirk's one, but, but but I mean, I think we can all agree that I, I think Jokic is definitely a better player than Dirk was. And – He's Jason Kidd, man. He's a seven-foot Jason Kidd. But he just he just control. Yeah. I mean, everything offensively he just controls, and he's also he's so big and knows how to use his body that it's just like I don't really know what you do with him. Never forces a shot. You know, you never can't forces speed a him up. You can't speed him up. You can't right. do nothing. Also, no one like I think one thing that's gone totally under the radar with him that like I haven't heard one person say is like he literally never has an actual like bad game. He has games where he doesn't shoot well, but he never has a game. Like we've seen LeBron have bad games. We've seen like, you know, KD has bad games. Like Jokic just never has a game where it's like, oh man, he really like was making terrible passes. And he also wasn't like putting his teammates in position. Like he always makes the right play. Like always. Yeah. Cause he's going to he also away. Has, uh, he, he, There's not a lot of pressure on him. You know, in terms of like the media and where he plays, like he kind of gets to just go about his business under the radar. He plays a beautiful brand of basketball. Like, yeah, when you when you when you look at it at the at the end, 
So he would be a statistician's um, analytical guy's uh, a sweetheart because it doesn't matter how you slice that pie. When you look at it, at worst, he's going to have a double-double. Yep. Yeah, pretty much. He's getting into double figures and points in one of the other categories every night. Yeah, he... he... Yeah, it was interesting. Bill, Bill Simmons came up with something which I thought was interesting that, like, the best players in playoff history, usually if you add up their points, rebounds, and assists, it usually gets to around, I think it's like 47 or 48 or something like that. Or maybe it's it might be even a little bit less. It might be like 44. And Jokic, basically, this entire playoffs has been, like, hovering around 52, 53. He's different. Yep. He- you know, it's different. interesting. They're playing their third playing opponent. <laughs> I just, you know, when you, you know, when you, I didn't, I, really, I heard that today. I was like, wow, I didn't even think of that. So they played Minnesota, the Lakers, and now uh, Miami. So interesting I, run for them. This is the year. I don't, I don't, I don't care who they was going to play. Like, you know, I said this in spaces before the playoffs started. This was going to be the team to beat. And the it, reason it, why is, is because think about for as much attention as Joker gets, nobody is talking about Mary Murray averaging thirty plus the whole yeah, play. Like, like, but you guys, I mean, but you guys agree that like, I, so I saw a lot of Philly fans saying like, look how much help Jokic has. I mean, I think he's as Bam said. I think he's clearly the guy that like, if you substitute. Jokic and put in beat on that team. I think none of those supporting players are having even close to the seasons that they're having. No, not at all. But yeah. so, so when when you say he's having, he has this much help. Let's not forget that James Harden is a former MVP. Yeah. Oh no, that for al- sure. That alone makes him the better player as as a sidekick than anybody Joker has. Like, well, is he better so- right now than Harden? I think he's better than Harden right now. Well, I mean, we that's that can be true, though. but when you start looking at the accolades, you know, because that's oh, what yeah, they're talking sure. about when they say you got right. the best. Yeah, you're talking about the awards. Like this man averaged 36 and 35 back to back years. You know, when, when Jokic gets the rebound and he comes up court, and Murray gets to basically go set his man up around the low block and just run off a dribble handoff screen, it's very difficult to stop that. So, so here's the here's the kicker. When you look at Joker, right? Don't even look at him. Think about the um, encouragement and and freedom that they that he employs Bruce Brown with. Like, yo, go do your thing. He was great tonight. But he's been great yeah. when they showed the stat. Yeah, one hundred and eighty-three points. The rest of the team has like one ten. Seven million dollars a year. Yep. You know, it, it's just it's just crazy that when you get to a team that's a real team with a system and stars, like, we can say whatever we want, right? When you look at what they're running, they're running basic high pick and roll with Joker and Murray, right. but they have actions on the other side, and you see cuts and the spot-up spot person. Those are sets. Yeah. And you know where the role players are going to be because you ran these sets all year. <laughs> Everybody yeah. on the floor really outside, of, even like Pope can do it to an extent, can put the ball on the floor. 
They can all shoot. They're all yeah. There's no specialist. Nobody's nobody's really small, and, and and that's what you can't teach. So, um, Aaron Gordon and Bam is basically the same height. So the power forward is a shooting guard at six five. Murray's six five. Yeah, <laughs> he's what the point guard, I guess. Yeah, you can't teach that. I don't yeah. care if, if I don't care if Miami hits. Ten more threes. If they decide to post up and go down low, you're gonna lose that. When he dribbled, I, I I only caught the second half, but I watched one move. He had six dribbles in the paint, and Bam couldn't do nothing. He was under the rim. I was like, "Wow, this is a problem. This is because because he's not working hard. This is a problem." Yeah. Um. Well. Look, we would love if the Nets were one day in the position that the Nuggets are in right now. And I think Kool-Aid is going to give his opportunity to uh, tell us how, how the Nets can get there starting in this offseason. We had Bam do it last week. And for those who didn't listen to last week's episode, they should definitely listen. But basically, Bam came up with this great idea, which I love, which is that we're, we're all four of us and the members of the Pod Thorn team are going to give basically what – we would like to see the Nets do. They're going to present their uh, – each person presents their case in each episode. And then after like a mock that off person – Sorry? It's a mock-off season. Mock-off season. And then after that, um, the rest of us talk about the mock-off season that was just talked about. So, yeah. Bam went last week. And Kool-Aid, you're up today. Tell us how we can get to uh, to become the Nuggets. Okay. I do wanna, I, I, hold on, Clay. I do want to point out the main point of the exercise isn't to judge the realism of the trades. We understand that mocking trades and signings is difficult yep. to do. It's what Clay is essentially pitching here is the direction he wants to see the team go to, and these moves are examples of such. Would that be correct, Clay? Yeah. And all right, I, I got my pen and paper, Brady. No, yep, no problem. I got, I got a post-it note writing down everything. I want to say this to Bam. I said it to him in private, but I want to say this so everybody hears. This ain't easy. Like, because I didn't want to half-ass it. I wanted to give it the same amount of detail he did. The only thing I changed is, so people that are listening, BAM used CBS Sports. I used Tinkathon because I got overwhelmed with the three different and the way that people were going up and down the board. So I tried to keep it something simplistic and um, try to get as realistic for me um and where people could understand the vision that i had and follow along so with that being said um i want to give y'all the 11 players that's under contract right now that that's not the players like we know cam johnson is a restricted free agent so i'm not counting him like saying okay he's a free agent like i'm doing ddj who is a is a still a restricted free agent, but he just got a standard contract. So I'm doing basically the NBA players. So our um cap space, our number is um 146 million four hundred and twenty-eight thousand thirty-five dollars. That's that's where we at with eleven players. We have been at thirty-seven point eight. Mikel, 21.7. Spencer, 20.3. 
Joe 19.9, DFS 13.9, Clax is at 9.6, Royce is at 9.5, Patty is at 6.8, Cam Thomas and Sharp are both at 2.2. We know we have Subna with the team option, he's at 2.2, and CJ's cap hole is 17.6 at the moment. Now, this was my tweak for consistency. But no, before I get to there, I want to say I'm not do I didn't do the drastic let's bring Dame Lillard here. The reason why I don't believe that we should allocate all of those resources for a two-year window and we truly won't be contenders in those two years. And it would be we just gave away our resources without really building anything. So we never fully get to see what our team actually is and how to truly build a contender. So with that said, I'll get into it. I call this the tweak version, and it's the build off of what we have. So I want to start off by saying, in this version, I got rid of Joe, um, Joe Harris. I sent, I sent Patty, Patty Mills to the Spurs for a second-round pick. Um, the Spurs is one of the teams that are way under the luxury, the way under the NBA floor. So if people who don't know what that means, I think it's about 90% of the salary you have to spend. If not, the money is given to the players anyway. So the Spurs, well, well it's like Houston, Spurs, Detroit, Indiana are like the top four with, with cap space. So I sent Patty to the Spurs. In this iteration, I sent Joe Harris two second-round picks to the Detroit Pistons for Isaiah Stewart. Um, I sent Royce O'Neal. I traded him to Indiana in the 22nd pick for Andrew Newhart in the 26th pick and the 32nd pick. The reason why I did this trade... Um, what was the 26 and what Clay? So we would send them our 22nd pick, right? Because Indiana has three first round picks, they have the lottery pick, the 26th, the 29th, but then they also have the 32nd and I think 36th pick in the second round. It's no way they're drafting five. We know that they're trying to move up, and 26 and 29 probably won't get you up close anywhere, but if you attach 22. And 29 and whatever else, I think they can move up at least closer to the teens. So that was Royce and 22 for Nemhard uh, at uh, 26 and, Nem- and 32? Yeah. Okay, good. All right, I'm good. Okay. So that allows, like I said, allows them to move up, and it gives us – because I don't think we have the pieces to get a um, 2024 pick, and I don't think that draft is good. So I know people are saying, well, we need to have a pick in that draft. If you load up on a loaded draft, guess what? Those players are still on the rookie contract come next year. Okay, so I did that. Um, so with the 21st pick, I took Kobe um, Bufkin. So the reason why I did this is in my point guard lineup, it would be Spencer, 
um, Andrew and then Kobe because you know that Spencer, it's one of those, if he's having a good season or not, you know you're not bringing him back next year. So, Sam, you know how I felt about Andrew when he was at Gonzaga with Chet. I wanted him, I wanted them to take him last year. Yep. Um, reason why Indiana does that trade, he's he's playing behind um Hallenberg and TJ uh McConnell. So this actually gives him a chance to play and get meaningful minutes. Um then my 26 pick, I took James uh Nija, I love this kid. Um, and it's not so much that he's putting up crazy numbers, but he's my clax replacement. Meaning that you get an 18-year-old that's like 6'10", 7'7", wingspan, 250, 260 solid. He can guard his position and switch and drop. And, you know, I sent y'all the clips. The man is doing the Giannis Euro step from the three-point line, Duncan, with two hands. Clax ain't doing that. He doesn't hit free throws. They they hit free throws pretty much the same amount. And I'm not saying that Clax can't develop, but he's 24. This kid is six years younger. You, you, can, you can keep him and, you know, see how the season plays out. My, my pick at 32 was Brandon uh, Pozemski. He's moving up the charts, but he's he's a, as y'all would say, uh, Josh Hart with a real three-point jump shot. He's a rebounding guard. Um, he has he has some bounce. And the fifty-first pick, I was kind of going back and forth. So, I would take Azabua. I can't pronounce his last name from from Arizona. That would be your next backup power forward. So in this lineup, your roster would be your starting five would be Spencer, Bridges, Cam. I'm starting Isaiah Stewart with Clax. The reason why, I don't want to rush Ben back. I would let him walk his way back into shape and the flow. Unless in preseason, he's coming out firing on all cylinders. But that would give us, so that's the five. Then the rest of the lineup would be um, Newhart, Kobe Bufkin, Brandon, Cam Thomas. This is the make or break year for him. You still would have DFS. Um, DDJ I kept just because it was a cheap contract. You would And you would have Sharp, Isaiah Stewart, um, Clax. So that's one, that's three, six, nine, 12, 15 players. I didn't do the three um, two ways, but I will say the 51st pick, I expect them to make it a two-way. It's more of them taking the player. If you can contribute and you're doing good, then you stay, but pretty sure to be a two-way and then convert it later, if so be. Um, this lineup would leave us at 152 million. I'm going to round it up, 153 million to 156, and the only reason why I said that, I don't know what kind of deal they would give the person on the second round pick. So that was my tweak lineup where you get consistency, you get some youth, and, you know, I didn't think that 
the free agent class really was, you know, too much to desire. So I think their moves would be the draft and trades on how they get the help they need for this roster. My blow it up lineup. This one, this one's for you, Bam. The blow it up lineup is we actually do the trade with Portland. Before I get to that part, because I got my papers, make sure I got it all out. Okay, so I think Portland would give us three. And this is if Scoot's available at three. Um, so we would get number three, Simons and Sharp. Um, for Bridges, that would pretty much, we would have to throw in like a, a filler to make the money truly work. And who did I throw in with that? So just to be clear, this would be like if you going in another direction if you wanted to yeah. blow it up, right? Okay. Yeah, this is yeah, that's why I call it the blow it up lineup. It's, but the first is, one is your main your main Yeah, player, the right? first one. Yeah, the tweak was just continuity to build off of what you have and throw the little tweaks. Because gotcha. I think I think like our weaknesses is point guard, a true power forward, and a center. Those are like our three main areas. We have people that we're filling in for that but there's no real big body bruiser. So I looked at Isaiah Stewart and said, yo, they just took Wiseman. They gave Bagley this money. They got Doran. He's being pushed out. Come on, let's take him. So in this lineup, um, like I said, Bridges Bridges went um, and, and Cam Thomas to make the money, you know, kind of work. Um, we didn't. I didn't think we was going to get any other picks after that. Just three and those players, which I'm cool with, because now you have your your backcourt of the future. Um, and this one, I would have liked to. I would like to see um, what Simon's value is across the league. But I'm not a psychic. I figure they will at least keep him because he can score, and you could figure out what what you could trade him for later on. My next trade was I traded Cam Johnson to Houston for some guy in Eason, the 20th pick, the, 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 20, the 2024 pick, and the right five swap and it for uh, 2025. Now, we might not get all of that, but we probably get two of the three. I'm cool with that. Um, on this one, I still send um, Joe Joe Harris out to either Detroit or Sacramento. I think um, this one I sent him to Sacramento for two seconds, the 2028, which is Milwaukee's, and the worst of the 2029, the worst between us, um, Dallas, and I believe Phoenix. That's I sent, right. I sent Spad, I sent Patty to the Spurs, go back home for the Dallas 2027 second round pick. Um I'm I'm hold I'm holding tight on Spencer and DFS and Royce. And I'll tell y'all why in a second. But in this, I took Scoop with the number three pick. 
I took um no, yeah, scoop with the number twenty the number three pick. I took um Bilal. I can't pronounce this the uh Kubalabi, whatever. Kubalabi, yeah, Kubalabi. I took him. I drafted Gigi Jackson. And I took James Nijai again. I really, like I said, I really think that kid has upside. I, I love Gigi Jackson. I think he would be different and he can immediately help, but he's going to make mistakes. But he's also 18 years old. So you would have two 18, well, three 18 year olds. Um, in this lineup, it would be Scoop. I would have Spencer still starting to teach Scoop. Um, Simons would be the two guard, so the backcourt is not totally tiny. I would have Sharp at the I'm shading Sharp at the small forward. I would have Sunga at the power forward with Claxman. Then you would have Spencer, um, Bilal, Eason, Royce O'Neal, DFS, Gigi Jackson, Clack Sharp, and, and James Nijai. Now, I know I kept some of the vets, but that's because I believe that we truly won't know until you see everything shake out, and I can't predict everything that everybody's going to do. But those guys you know at the trade deadline, you can move between the regular, you know, in the middle of the season or not. You're going to be able to get something for Spencer Royce and DFS. And I said on here that I would move him for the two picks if that's still available. Um, with that lineup, our cap space, our salary is $123 million to 128 so we would be way under the luxury cap now with that a reason why i got rid of cam johnson i don't think he would want to stay here because he's on a different time frame that if houston is going to be competitive you let the man go his best friend is gone you send him back out west that way they can't hurt you the only time you see them is if you make it to the finals but I still think you're still kind of competitive because you kept some of the vets. I wouldn't let Scoot start from the beginning. You want him to ease his way in so there's no pressure and feel like the world is on his shoulders. And I think Royce, even if you keep him for a year, he's a good locker guy and glue guy, him and DFS. Um, I think those are, you know, as realistic as... I could think of at the moment. Um, that, that that was it for me. I wanted to keep it kind of consistent where you can reasonably see it happen. So with that said, that was my only two. And I'm going to be quiet now, fellas. All right, nice job. Thank you. I'll start us. I'll start us off. Go I'll ahead. Start with the, uh, the first path, which was the build on what we have. Yep. So I think the the Mills thing is is very re- reasonable and realistic. Yeah, I agree. And it, it makes a lot of sense, and I I would that's like an easy salary relief for them. If you you know if you're just pick, giving up a second round pick for it, I would totally be fine with that. The the thing with Detroit is kind of like what I was thinking with Eason is the exact type of player I'd like to see the Nets be in the trade market for that third 
second, third, fourth year player that's still young. And I, I would love that. And you're frankly, you're talking about Isaiah Stewart. I, I would love it. He's like I would 21. Love yeah, I would love something like that. So even just taking the player out of it, just the concept of the player, the, the young guy coming up. But in terms of the player himself, it's kind of like exactly what the Nets have been lacking in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I look, I would be very happy with a guy like, um, with a guy like Stewart. Um, it's, it's someone that the Nets haven't really like, I feel like ever have ever have had. And they have so many big guys in Detroit that, um, maybe you can get him for, uh, for a discount. And at times he didn't, he didn't seem to be the coach's favorite, although obviously now they have a different coach in there. So it'll be interesting to see, uh, what what Monty does, but you know, uh, with 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 all that said, I totally agree with what you said. Just catching up, I totally agree with what you said about the Patty trade. I think it's super realistic. I could totally see Pop wanting to bring a vet back there for a team that's really young. But I I actually think the Spurs might be competing for the play in next year if Wemby has kind of the impact that we think he can. E- even just defensively, what he's able to do, I think they're going to just be in a ton of competitive games. Uh, so I, I, I really liked uh, that trade from Cool. And oh, hold on, I want. I'm, I'm sorry. I know I'm not supposed to say nothing. It was something that I meant to say, and I forgot it. I would have picked Ty, Tyrus, uh, Tyrus Jones because y'all know I love him. But everything that's going on with Clax made me go the Indiana route. That's what I wanted to say. I'll be quiet now. Sorry. Um, and then. And then the Joe Harris, and then the, and look in the 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 Detroit trade. I also re- I I also think is really interesting. I think the Nets will probably have to be creative. Um, Those are the kind of young players they have to target. Yep, yep, one hundred percent. They they gotta basically look at guys who are either at a position where the team already has an abundance of that position, and you can maybe get the guy on the cheap because they want to basically. Still, uh, they basically want to give minutes to other guys, or you have to go for a guy who basically has had, has been kind of injured, or you know hasn't really looked his best in the first two years, but you want to take a shot at him. So if that's you know, like I, I think similar guys in the Stewart camp, and obviously Stewart has actually had some success, but I think that similar guys to me are like, do you want to take a chance on like a Killian Hayes from Detroit? Or do you want to take a chance on Jalen Suggs in Orlando guys who have like clearly, oh, been, clearly been disappointments have been in some instances, even been labeled as a bust, but like are so, so, so young that it seems premature to, to have them be labeled as such anyway. Yeah. And I think, even, I think Joe, will carry some trade value for teams that have a lot of cap space and no one to spend it on. Like there's a path where Joe Harris really helps somebody like Cade Cunningham. Right. I don't think it's, I don't think it's crazy. You know, the Nets might have to take some salary back in something like this, where it's not as uh, a big of a disparity, but as long as you're saving money and getting like a, a young player, you think can blossom here or get better. And you have time to, to watch, watch it and see it happen. You don't have to force anything with it. Makes makes a lot of sense. And I, and I guess that's the same vein as the Indiana trade now. I got to be honest, and Clay, I'm going to bring you back in. Tell me about this guy from Gonzaga. So he's 6'5". He's a floor general. Like, he plays, he plays D. But what I like about him is 
you don't speed him up. He plays at his pace. He could play point of attack defense, and he's great in the pick and roll. He's had moments when um, um, Halliburton was hurt, where he was hitting the game winners and you know putting up twenty and nine. Like he's he's a little older, so even though he's a rookie, he's like twenty three. So he's know. going into his second year. Yeah, he's going into his second year. He was a first he, round pick last year. No, he was like the thirty first, thirty second pick. Okay, so he's probably on a good contract too. Yeah, yeah, it's like a four year deal. Right. All right, I like that. So I didn't, I didn't know a lot about him, but I mean, again, in theory. Yeah, me and Sam move. talked about him last year. I was like, Sam, that's my guy right there. He, yeah, that's- he shot he shot forty four percent from the field and thirty five percent from three. He was actually someone who I thought was going to get. Um, I thought he was going to get sniffed around for second team all rook all rookie, which he I think he just missed, but. He averaged like ten points, four and a half assists. He, had, I mean, he had a really, he had a really, really solid rookie year, especially for a second round pick. Right. So again, giving up Royce, who has no long term future here. We've given up three guys so far that have no long term future here. So in acquiring talent, nothing went out the door that you, you're really worried about losing. Maybe besides Royce, but again not going to get a second contract. So in this trade, he's bringing in – he trades out one young player by trading the 22nd pick, but he brings in one, two, three young guys. And he right. drops salary. So, again, it's, I'm all about that. They don't have a high second-round pick. To me, getting 32 gives them a chance to – you know, first off, you give that guy like the four-year deal like Lax guy, um, where it's a little bit more, but it's guaranteed for longer. And uh, – you know, at the worst, you hope it's like a, you know, the guy that's maybe spends a league in the G League, but it's a real developmental prospect down there. Yeah. And so, so I, I agree with everything that you said about the Pacers trade. I think, I mean, um, I agree with Clay that I think Indiana is probably not going to want to have all these picks and they're going to, they're, I mean, you have to think from their perspective, they saw that they probably see themselves as a team that was 500 when Halliburton played. They obviously have Matherin. Um, getting a guy like Royce could be helpful for them. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sure parting with Nemhart is going to be tough, although they're, they, they could then use, you know, Royce to, for in, in another trade if they want to later on and or using 22 to help them move up later in, uh, uh, or earlier in the draft, I should say. Um, so I do think it's really interesting. I think Nemhard would really help the Nets. And I, I think that there's a chance that Nemhard could be a starting point guard in the NBA. To me, like Nemhard is – is a nice consolation prize for not getting like Tyus Jones, for example, in the, in, in this, in this mock uh, off season world. And then, you know, pivoting to the, to the draft that, that cool did. Um, so I'm a big Kobe Bufkin fan. Kobe, Kobe Bufkin was a sophomore in Michigan this year, but he's so young for his grade that he's only 19 right now, um, which is like pretty unheard of. And so he has the two years of uh, of college ball, and while still being like the age of a freshman, and like kind of like had his ups and downs in college, but still was fourteen, four and a half, three assists, shot forty eight percent from the uh, from the field, and almost thirty six percent from three, eighty five percent from the free throw line. I'm personally a huge fan of him. I just think he's like gonna be good. I don't see how he's not gonna be good. He's six four. He like he just he Can looks you give like me a player comp. What is that? Can you give me like a player comp? Because I don't watch 
to college very much. If you get if you have to compare him to a player, like you his know, upside. You know, it's also oh, hard because he's a because he's a lefty, and once these guys are lefties, I find kind of <laughs> throws them. it off. <laughs> but no, so so body frame, he's like Bones Highlander, right? He's like Bones, shifty, he, but he gets to the basket. I th- yeah, I think he, he's like way, way, way. I think he. I no, think he's, he's way better. Way better. He's better. But I'm I'm saying body structure and his style, but he's a better version of Bones. Got yeah. Him. So a down, he's a downhill wing guard. Yo, but he can shoot. So it's it's one of those that. We don't have somebody who could turn the corner and go. He can do that. Yes, you're right. Honestly, the the best penetrator on the team right now under contract is probably Cam Thomas. No, it's probably Spencer. Spencer shows that he has yeah, to blow by speed. I forgot. I so, forgot about <laughs> so, so Kevin Kevin O'Connor has so so I happen to be really high on Buffkin. As does Kevin O'Connor from the Ringer. He. He wrote for of Kobe Buffkin. He said shades of Tyrese Maxey and Emmanuel quickly fused together. Um, with his strengths being feel for the game, on-ball defense, pull-up threat, and hustle. Um, 6'4", 187, with a 6'8", wingspan. 6'4"? Um, 6'4", yeah. Um, and then I also really liked Cool's pick of James Naji, who's 6'10", 225. The dude is, like, already ripped and could probably get even stronger. Like, he literally he, – he, to me, looks like a smaller, like, young Dwight Howard just in, like, how ripped he already is. Um, yeah, but, that dude. That dude's ready. And he also has like he also has like a super strong base and like uh, I mean he's I mean he has a really good touch around like around the rim. I think he shot like seventy five percent this past year. Um, he's also what he's also one of the younger guys in the draft. I think I think his twenty twenty three draft age is going to be like 18. right right around nineteen, if not a little bit later, <laughs> a little bit younger. Um, and so I think I, I really like both those picks. And then pods from uh, uh, I forgot. I'm already Santa Clear. Apology at Santa Clear. Santa Clear. Yeah, like he's someone who had like an unbelievable combine. Who I think like Cool said it best for what he's like. You know, the shooting version of um of Josh Hart. Um, I personally haven't watched that much film of him yet. I just know that he's basically become like the hottest guy within uh, the combine world. Um, and so I think that like uh, hitting on him would be great. And so I think overall, when you look at what cool did, I think the team did get younger. I honestly don't even think the team, even though the team obviously gave up vets, I think the team definitely still got better because at the end of the day, Patty added nothing to the team this past year. Joe Harris in, in most instances was basically a negative and Royce had a good year, but you're still getting back Nemhard Stewart on top of the plethora of the, of the three other picks. And plus the two seconds that – or sorry, sorry, we're giving away two seconds to Detroit for Stewart. Um, but anyway, it doesn't take away from the fact that they're getting 32, which is nice to have an early second-round pick, which, as Bam said, we don't have this year in this in this draft. So I, I – like, this to, this to me is like a is, – is obviously there's no explosions here, but I think this would lead the Nets to be in a good place to – if they still wanted to go star hunting, they could. If they wanted to blow it up, they still could. Um, I think it's a nice iteration kind of of what Bam did in the last episode. I, I think that it, it would be a team that with Spencer, Clax, draft capital, young players on the roster is looking, you know, into the deadline of the offseason to hit that big move. You know, maybe something happens with Atlanta 
they'd be set up to do that. I guess what I love is the Stewart and Naja thing because it, it certainly makes Clax expendable, hopefully, right, if it pans out. You know, we've talked about this at Nozums. So we won't go down that path again that, you know, he's an impending free agent. Do you want to pay him or not? I guess the, the only thing I would do differently here would be at the end. If I, if I had Stewart and I had uh, this kid, Naja, I would probably move Clax now while his value is the highest. But like you said, the team is younger. I mean, far more youthful exuberance around the team, which, you know, the team could kind of use some personality. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, a little bl- they're a little bland. Uh, as, as is, um, and this competition. I mean, the guard position alone, you'd have the Michigan kid, the guard they get from the Pacers, and Cam Thomas. So those guys have to fight for minutes. Um, you still have Ben as your ultimate wild card. I don't think the team gets worse at all. I think whatever the team was going to organically get better at would still happen here. I mean, I don't think Royce is a, a huge loss considering no. what came back. So if you told me this is what the Nets did, forgetting even just the players, just the overall concept, uh, I'd be – this is kind of what I did, but I took like yep. a, a couple of bigger swings. Yeah, I so think – Oh, I'll be quiet. My fault. I'm sorry. I, I just think – so what I think what's interesting about about these – I'm reflecting on, Ben, what you did in your mock-off season and what Cool did in, in his that I like is – this to me is kind of, I think I called it this in the last episode, but it's a bit of a kick the can down the road in that if you want to, you can continue to pivot in whatever direction you want. And what I mean by that is, you know, if the Nets happen to go into this coming season, which as we all know, like these NBA seasons change like game to game with an injury or, you know, some player getting upset or whatever it is. If the Nets start this coming season and Bridges gets hurt, God forbid, or, you know, Cam Johnson gets hurt or Claxton isn't playing well or whatever it is. And even though they don't have their own pick, they're, they suck. They can basically, you know, then say, you know, this season's a wash. We're not making the playoffs. We may not even be sniffing the play-in. We already have this youth on this team. Let's, let's just now continue down this track and trade and, and trade all these and then trade all these guys. At the same time, if, if they actually are playing really well, and let's say they're in that, you know, five, six, seven seed, then you can say, okay, like, how can we, how can we package either some of the stuff we have for someone more elite, or do we just like continue to play status quo and see if we can end up free in cap space to be involved in this kind of uh, highly touted 2024 free agency? I think it, I think it just gives, it, it allows that to continue towards the trade deadline to make, to then make, you know, real final decisions if they want to. It, it seems like the adult path to take. Like, right. If you want to stay, like, instead of just jumping right back into, like Clay mentioned earlier, like a Dame Lillard type and just being like, we have to start, we know we're going to have to start over again, like pretty quickly as a result of this. Th- this lets the Nets truly assess these players, their habits, um, and then make a more informed decision. Obviously, like Roy Spencer we, and Clax, those are the three most pressing ones, particularly Royce and Spencer, because you know you're not resigning those guys. Well, they but can't do nothing with Clax until after this, until after the season. They can't correct, extend them. Correct, correct. And so he, he's in his own category because there's a world where you do resign him. 
the other two there, you know, you, you pretty much know they're gone. So, but you would have time and Spencer would certainly be movable up the deadline. And if they're having a good season and he's playing well and he winds up leaving as a free agent, as much as that might suck, there is still value behind that. So it really just seems like there's not a lose situation there. So I, I'm, I'm on board with this. I just I want to reiterate something. To what I was thinking. I want Younger. to reiterate something. So with Isaiah Stewart, the reason why I liked him so much is that he played the four last year, not the center. Right? Um, he averaged 11 and 8. But he shoots like 71, 72% from the free throw line. You, there is a world where you can put him at the five at the closing of the game so you still have a rebounder, like just somebody who hunts and who, had, who hits their free throws. And, and, yeah. So, you know, that was, that was, that was, that was my, my thinking as well as the dude from Arizona. He averaged 19 and nine, basically 20 and nine. Last yep. year, I, I think and, that's the guy I texted you guys about one night. I was yeah, like, oh, who, it is. Who is this guy? And Bruce said, like, you know, think like late second round, and that's where Clay took him. But I was yeah. like, yeah, this guy like but, he stood out like physically on the court. But I, I, and, and I chat, I told y'all about both of them and Brandon. I was like, I like this guy. I just like the sleepers, like the people, you know, I'm like, what can you get out of them? I don't need him to hit a three, but he hit 77, 78% of his free throws. He can do he can do the, the Marcus Aldridge and just hit a fifteen footer. That's enough. I'm happy 100%. with that. that. If you could do that and catch lobs, that's well, two spacings they he's don't have. Athletic, right but not athletic. If that makes sense. Got you. Well, look, and my last comment on this one, then we'll go to your uh, blow it up scenario. Is you also didn't take back any long term contracts that affect the future from in terms of the, the cap sheet. So. Well, I mean, that's why this, I did the teams. It's a prudent offseason. But that's why I did the teams. Like, I know y'all said something about, well, you have to take back money for Detroit. No, you don't. Detroit has $70 million on their cap. That's no, I, what I said was that you may have to in terms of they may ask you to take some back. They don't have, they don't have right. nothing. They don't have enough. Their money is the players that they want. The money is gotcha. in um, but, uh, Boyan, Alex, Cade. Um, Bagley, I don't think they're going to tell yeah. you to take Bagley. It's, it's really Bagley. just Boyard, too, because those other guys are all rookie deals. Yeah, and, and, so, yeah, and I mean, Bagley, look, he's got his and, second. And that's what, makes, that's what makes him a logical partner, like forgetting the bog down of the details. It's like the whole concept of giving off some second-round picks to get a guy that was a first-round pick and, and still has room to grow is, is exactly what, the way and I And they I don't have shooters. They and they only have right. one shooter. Right. So – so those rookies, in order for them to thrive, you're going to need somebody to space the floor for them on the coming off the bench and starting. There's levels to it, right? And the, uh, like Joe Harris may not be able to help a 48 team, but he can certainly help a team trying to get to 35 games. Yeah. You know, so for a year for them, too, he makes sense. All and right, I think oh, – hold on, I just want yeah. to say this. With the tweaking, I think the tweak lineup, you can be – in the playoffs, and the reason why is if we think Bridges is who he is, right? He'll do the load. You hoping Kim adopts to being, you know, himself. But I think we lost a lot of games because we didn't have point guard play to slow it down and get us a good shot. 
and we didn't have rebounders, some toughness. So to have a dude like 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 Nija who can guard his position with that seven seven wingspan, even if he only gets 10, 15 minutes this first year, that's over, that's fine. Right. Maybe play a little more when a guy goes down or something. Yeah, yeah, but you I know. mean he's playing he's playing in a professional league now. No, that that team that team, there's certainly a path where they're you know, a top six seed, maybe you know, maybe six at best, but I mean obviously a lot would depend on what Ben does, but yeah, there's again oh, I, ben I, is I, ben? better. And I think you that type of roster will steal some regular season games. Yeah. By just you know, effort and legs and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, I want to blow it up. I'll be quiet. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, I'll I'll just kind of lump it together. You did the uh, Blazers, Bridges for Sharp, Simmons, and three, and the caveat was Scoot would have to be on the clock. I mean, I'm doing that yesterday. Yep. So am I. And, <laughs> and the Cam Johnson thing. Look, I don't think you could get all this back, but like you said, if you got two of the three, I'm certainly doing that. Yep. Uh, and then you basically made the same trades. So even that team, though, you still keep Spencer. You still keep Clax. You still have DFS. And you and have Ben. Royce. And you and have I Ben and Royce. You're not totally devoid of veterans. Like, uh, the Turkish kid has played. So, look, this team, you know, you're probably hoping to be a 9-10 seed, you know, or compete in that realm all year. But like you said, even if you miss the playoffs – I mean, look, I don't think they're going to do this, but you know I've been in favor of this, so no complaints from me. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think I think what people are expecting the Nets to be able to get for Bridges because of the four first-round picks or whatever that were supposed to be offered. I mean, if the Nets if the Nets are offered even two of the three of what of what is being talked about, like Simons and number three or Simons and Sharp or whatever, or Sharp and, and the number three, whatever. I mean, I mean, P, I mean, the, the th- think about how much, like how much like the number one or number two or number three pick would go for in most drafts. And now you're talking about also getting another either lottery pick from last year with a ton of that, with a ton of value or a guy in uh, a guy in Simons who, like everyone loves and was and was like really fucking good at least offensively last year. Um, who averaged I think like I think he was close to being fifty forty. Or he was forty five thirty eight ninety and averaged over twenty points a game. And he's been in the NBA forever and he's still twenty three, about to turn twenty four. So, like to me, I think the Bridges like hype train has gotten to a point that is a bit and I hate to use this word, but it's a bit Nixie ish in the way that he's being put forward and I know how good he was in about, you know, the 24, 25 games he was with the Nets, but like it's, he's, I mean, this, this is the type of thing where if you can redo your franchise after like what the Nets have gone through the last couple of years via one trade, via one piece that was just a part of the big KD trade, that to me is huge on top of, you know, what cool brought up about trading Cam Johnson, which like, I think look, I, I think I think everything that Cool tried to get, as Bam said, was a bit well, it was probably a bit audacious, but like But I I'll, I'll let, let me just add to that real quick and then I'll let you go. There is something to his idea though that if they're going to do it, like he didn't stop at Bridges. He did Bridges and Cam. 
So he's shooting. The idea would be to shoot for the moon with the return in terms yep. of as many young assets as possible. Totally. And maybe you don't do it. And like, maybe you don't do the Houston trade if you, if you, if you can't do the Portland trade and, and potentially vice versa, right? Like it almost has to be kind of a package deal. Well, I, so I, I literally, I mean, it's funny you say that I was literally about to say that. I think that like, I think that if you know that the Houston trade is there to me, being able to get back your, your draft life, plus whatever fill-in you can get. And hopefully you would be like a decent young guy, whether that's like an Eason or a, a Tate or Kenyon Martin Jr. or two of those guys, whatever. And you're giving up Cam Johnson. And then you can know that you're really like going into the young rebuild mode by doing that Portland trade. Then to me, like you're, you're in the absolute driver's seat. Because now you're talking about guys like Claxton, Royce, and DFS go on the chopping block next. And I like I would continue to liquidate because I think people like you can and, even make and, an and, argument that that's the time to maybe pay Clax because you've gotten Bridges money out. There the you go, Bam. You've gotten Cam's money out the door. So I I still I honestly I still I still wouldn't. I would rather I would not. I think I think with a lot I think with a lot of guys that the Nets have the what what makes the guys that they have special from a trade asset standpoint is the contract. And I think the second Claxton goes from being um, eight and a half to 22 and a half. I think everyone starts to look at him now in a completely different way and it changes what his trade value is. And I think that to me, that difference, like the, the, the like having him locked up long-term and the security you feel of the fact that we're like, well, at least we have that guy is not worth the trade value that I think you have over trading a guy at his value. And it's the same thing. And look with DFS, I, I mean, I've said this a million times, but, Guys like that, there's always a new apple of, like, every NBA team's eye of, like, this 3 and D wing. And let's say DFS starts off this coming year shooting horrendously from three like he did with the Nets. Then, like, this cachet that he has, like, begins to go away. And that's why I capitalize on trading for him. I mean, like, the notion that a guy like DFS can get two first-round picks to me, like, is pretty asinine. I mean, like, he, like, he's a, like, he's a really, like, solid player. But like, but a, a team a, a team that's willing to do that really has to think like we're on the precipice of a champion and, and he's the missing piece. And I think like, look, I, look. I mean, I guess you have examples like PJ Tucker with the Bucks and and what he did and whatnot. But I think getting, I, I think if you can get two first and assuming they're not heavily protected, because obviously that changes like everything with this stuff. But getting two first and maximizing on someone like DFS and maximizing on the Cam Johnson thing and Bridges and Claxton. And you just basically say like, you know what? We're washing away the last three or four years. Like let's rock and roll and like, like do, do whatever we want to do. And if we want to use some of those picks to move up in other drafts or in this, even in this draft with another pick, like you still have salary to make other moves. You're clearing your books cap sheet wise to be able to like sign guys if you want or match offer sheets. Because I mean, look, we should probably, and we will have an episode on, on this and I'll, I'll land my plane now, but like this new CBA is really going to change things for teams. Like, like which, which is why the three guys that we just mentioned, the bridges Claxton uh, or four cam Johnson and DFS, those contracts, even whatever cam Johnson gets like, they're going to still look pretty fucking good because like 
when you have guys that are second tier or third tier all-stars making anywhere between 45 and $60 million, like that's what really is going to like destroy someone's cap space and being able to fill in roles with guys like the Nets have is going to be like legitimately the medicine for, for, for the new CBA. You know, I, I think if you're moving clocks in this scenario, I, he's got to be moved in like a deal for a veteran player. Now I'm not trying to, he, cause he gets so many, so much youth as it is. Plus the picks we already have, you know, clocks at 20 to 22 million a year for three, four years. I don't think kills your books, but I guess you're saying if you're going to go nuclear, you want to go all the way. But I think overall between the two, I would be happy with either path. I mean, because Scoot's not even a, a traditional third pick if he goes third. Like, he'd be the first pick in most drafts, I would assume, correct? Yeah, he, yeah, like he would have been. Yeah. He, yeah he, no Victor, like he's number one. No Victor, he's number one. And he would have been, and, and he would have been picked ahead of Paolo last year. Yeah. Like All right, he, so we, we've had two guys go. We've both kind of taken the kick-the-can approach, try to get younger, maximize draft capital, not take any long-term contracts on. Oh, and I wanted to say for Cam Johnson, I gave him a four-year $90 million deal. So that was like 22 and a half. Yeah, in, the one, in, the, in the scenario where he stays, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, got you. Yeah, I think so. Right, we both had him in that four-year 90. I think I paid him a little more. You know, it'll be interesting to see what he gets, but – Dude, this was another good exercise. Sam, are you going to go next? Just yeah, I'll go. I'm I'm going to go next. I um I do have to say, I my my gut tells me that I think the Nets offseason is going to resemble something more similar to what you and Cool Cool's first suggest Cool's first suggestion and what you and what your episode was that I think what maybe I might decide to do, which I'm going in a I'm I'm still you know my uh. I, I still have like the Matt, the Matt Damon Goodwill Hunting thing going in my, <laughs> on my. Uh, oh, on my I want to say board. this for Bam. If you so the reason why I kept Clax even in the blow it up on thing, is because I figured in the beginning, just like with Spencer, the beginning Spencer would show Scoop how to how to how to you know be in the NBA as the vet. And yeah, as I, it gets I think Clyde has some leadership potential too. Like if he was around a, like a, a young, no, no. hungry group. I, so I kept him because I don't really think Sharp or Cam Thomas and the blow it up would really get minutes because if you if you bring in a kid that's eighteen who's athletic, who does what Clack does at eighteen and can guard his spot, it's you don't have to fight like that. Now, if Clax comes back and he's shooting, you can keep him and you right. can give him a, a, a two-year extension, three-year extension and now you can you're move still, him. You're still in great shape with the cap. Yeah, and but you can still move him because now when the, when the, when the rookie is on his third year, you might want to play him. Yeah. I, I think I've always said, like, to go nuclear, but after you did it and, like, I wrote it down, I was like, okay, I could see making that trade but still holding on to Claxton and, and DFS. Yeah, and, I, and, and, and at worst, I, only reason, and, and the reason why I keep Royce around on pretty much for this one, he's nine and a half million, right? And it's only two and a half guaranteed. So at any point, it's a two and a half million dollar deal that, that you can get rid of 
And but you know, when I, you're trying to when you're trying to win games with some young players, it is good to have a veteran that you can put on the floor to close games out. Yeah, know, because, because the only the only real money in the blow it up is Simons at twenty three, Ben at thirty seven, and Spencer at twenty. Yeah, That's the and, only and, money. And Spencer is only one year, and Ben is even only two. So, like, really, when you're expecting to have cap space, you'd still have cap space. So, like, remember I said, like, I, one of my goals was make sure you had that in 2025. You would have accomplished the same thing. You'd actually have, in this scenario, the blowing up, you'd have a lot more cap space. Yeah, and that, and, and, and that, and that was the, hey, if Sharp is who I think he is, because I think he's phenomenal. I think his, when um, they shut Dame and Simons down, he had good numbers. So that shows me he's already a two-way player. We know that. I want athletes at that two and three guard spot for the simple yeah. fact is, and that's why I took Bilal, because I'm like, he's six six with a seven two seven three wingspan. He already knows the concept of catch and shoot. He's already doing that. So now in the NBA, and he's a cutter. Now when you say I got to guard the two guard position, you put him there, he's going to bother some shots. Yeah, I mean, look, this would be my final thoughts. Um, you, you did a good job. And it, I, if the second scenario played out anything like it, that would be very exciting for the Nets. Well, thank you, brother. Thank you. Like I said, this was hard to follow up, you know, your introductory to it. And I wanted to make sure I gave it the same kind of detailed work that you put in. Yeah, you nailed it, dude. Sam, you got anything? No, that's it. We'll uh, we'll be back. We'll probably do mine early next week. Hold on. Y'all didn't talk about the draft picks for the blow it up. That was oh, yeah. two. It was, it was Bilal and who was the other one? Um, Gigi Jackson. Yeah, I mean, I, I like both those guys. I mean, I almost find myself at this point like wondering what the hell is up with this draft because every single guy who I like watch stuff of, I like, and usually I'm usually I'm kind of a hater with the draft and I end up <laughs> watching the stuff and going the other way. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I, I think the is like, is really interesting. I mean, like, you know, also super, super young can shows that he can shoot six, six, but long, um, uh, what was I going to say? It, it look, I like. I think his jumper probably will translate. I'm a little worried because his free throw numbers are a bit lower than you want them to be. They're in they're like in the high in the low 70s, but he shot 35 percent from three, um, and I think he's just a really intriguing prospect. I find him super fluid. And then look, the the thing the thing with Gigi, and I'm I'm kind of surprised is. So, so Gigi had bronchitis at the draft combine, it, like it came out, which is why like Woj and Jonathan Gavoni saying he was out of shape was like kind of malpractice on their part and then not correcting it. Um, and so he, he didn't look good in the, at, at the combine in Chicago. But I mean, this is a guy who would be like in the running to be a top pick in the 2024 draft. And to me, like that alone says a lot about what people think about his upside and the fact that he's in this draft and he's still, you know, projected to go somewhere between whatever it is, like 16 and 26 or whatever. Like, I mean, the, like the talent is there when you watch him. I think like supposedly he 
He's from South Carolina. That's where he went to school. I think people think he has maturing to do, which makes sense because he was born in late December of 2004. So, like, you know, he's 18, he's 18 years old, but he already kind of has an NBA body. I also think he's super fluid when I watch him. I, like, I, I think – cool. I thought all of your draft picks were, were really good. None of them I was, I was uh, uh, upset with. I just want the Nets to take that center. Like, for me to shut me up, because you y'all know how I get in the chat, to shut me up, to keep me happy, just, 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 just make the smart. I don't want them to think they're the smartest people in the room and overthink it. Like, the one thing you know is you need a backup center, right, With that has the potential to be a starting center. You get that from day one with this kid. You get the defense. To me, we know you need a point guard. But I'm just saying, always have to... you have all these ring defenders, possession and rebounds. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like if they get a like, second shot, third shot, they're going to score. And and that, and that for me is why, why if they even decided, okay, we're going to go and do a trade for a point guard, then they need to draft those two first two picks. You need to get a power forward in a center, but I always would take a ball handler because you can never go wrong with two or three people that can dribble, pass, and shoot. Yeah, if you could do those three things, you're good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Sam, you're up next. Yeah, I'm up next. I'll get um, I'll get. What, clearly, I got weekend homework. All right. Good night, guys. <laughs> All right. Good night. All right. All right, Thorn, we out.